P.S. I Love Hoffman is brought to you by the Cage Club Podcast Network. For all things Cage Club related, head on over to cageclub.me. That's cageclub.me. Iggy Pop! Amen! Let him run! I'm a fucking idiot. Red meat, we crave sustenance. I'm an artist. Hello, my name is Jimmy Cody. Why don't you have some fun? Fun, fun. Tommy, uh, that's a tape, tape. Whoever she is, I'm going to find her and I'm going to hurt her. I've spent the past three years learning Finnish. <laughs> I'm always home. I'm on cool. This is a process of dehumanization. Shut, 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 shut up. Hey, Haw fans, welcome to this week's episode of P.S. I Still Love Hoffman, our love letter to the remarkable career of the late, great Philip Seymour Hoffman. I'm still Brian Rodriguez. And I'm still Kyle Reinfried. And we're still re-watching movies. <laughs> but we're always home, we're always uncool, and we're always ready for more Philip Seymour Hoffman. And I'm excited for this one, Kyle. We're doing another rewatch. We've been in quarantine situation so we've been doing these rewatches a little bit more time and they're also a little bit easier to do considering there's very little Hoffman news because there's very little entertainment news let's be frank yeah it's kind of weird seeing like different websites that I follow for like tv and film news just like struggling to try to come up with I think I mean and this is good because also it's a it's a movie you covered but I think I've seen like four different like kind of review things for a goofy movie on slash <laughs> so that's just that just tells you i mean i love goofy movies this is me like sliding goofy movie a goofy movie sorry but like yeah they're just pension for pennies yeah uh some of it's like bullshit i've seen it a lot in like sports websites they're doing like such dumb hypothetical scenarios you know like what if tom brady never was drafted like they'll do yeah, like, exactly. like but he was and it's been and, like that for a while. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, he's yeah, the most successful quarterback of all time. I mean, wasn't I mean, again, very very fun and I know you and I know you particularly love it, but weren't they showing like WW like wrestling stuff on ESPN like and talking about it? Yeah, yeah, which is uh interesting because it was one of the only products that they could, you know, get that's still producing stuff. And and they were showing replays, but People are more likely to watch a wrestling replay than a live sports replay because, you know, just the nature of it, the more theatrical nature. It doesn't really matter. It's been a challenge. However, it has been super fun to be able to catch up on films, you know, like maybe there's some stuff that I wasn't going to see that I saw. Now, again, I'd rather us be going out and having a good time and, you know, our healthcare workers not be in danger and everyone be in danger. But... The silver lining is you and I have been able to do more of these rewatches, talk more about them, and, you know, keep that Philip Seymour Hoffman memory alive. Yeah, I think we've recorded, I'm looking at it, we've done, we did the Unhappy-ish episode, Schuler, Love Liza, Jack Goes Boating, and now, uh, and now this one, like, all, all in quarantine. It's been quite some time since and you know we, we like to watch these uh, usually come to my place and we, and we have a beer. We're recording this at 10.55 in the morning, so I won't... So, I'm sorry, Joey, I apologize now. I know this is becoming a favorite segment of yours when I leave to go get a beer uh, and Brian talks. Uh, this that's one. disappointing. It's 10.55. This is yeah. an almost two-hour movie. We're going to hit the 12 o'clock mark, Kyle. 
it's fine. I'm also, I'm being good. I'm, I'm being healthier, so. Well, don't yeah. worry. I have my stash next to me, so. They're more morning blends, but <laughs> that's neither here nor there. Today's film, you've obviously read the title, is Flawless, and that was kind of a surprise to me. You Hoff fans out there, you had a choice to vote on our Facebook, to vote on our Instagram, and it was between Flawless and The Big Lebowski, and I swore The Big Lebowski was going to win because it's such a popular film, you know, in our culture. Why do you think Flawless won? You know what? I think Flawless won because as you just as we call them as you just said they're called Hoff fans and this movie you get a whole lot more Hoffman than and I and I'd argue against uh Leon uh Mangan's uh opinion because uh Brent from Brent or Brant Brant I think it's Brant, Brant. from the Big Lebowski is his favorite character of Philip Seymour Hoffman's but you just get so much more Philip Seymour Hoffman in this, and I think, and I think a superior performance. I mean, you just get, I, I think, a whole lot more to chew on the on this character. You get him teaming up with Robert De Niro. I'm not shocked that if it's you know the Hoff fans that are voting that they voted for this movie. Yeah, and this is an early film of his where he's essentially the star. Again, I know De Niro is going to get top billing, but to me, they're almost equals in this film. I really enjoyed this film on my first watch. I haven't seen it since then. I'm very curious. And guys, you want to remember to tune in to the end of the episode because we're going to put a new poll on the ballot and it's going to be completely random. Can't wait to talk about that. But uh, I'm excited for Flawless. So let's do this, Kyle. Uh, Do you want me to count you down? Sure. I'm standing by. All right. So guys... We both rented this on Amazon. Now, Kyle, we should do disclaimer. You are using an HBO app on Amazon. I just like nakedly <laughs> uh, rented it on Amazon. So if you guys want to sync your time codes with us on the rewatch, it's going to be a little different. Yeah, what's your what's your, if you're just you just rented on Amazon? What's your time code? Oh, 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 one. I am with HBO because we both we decided to freeze it on the line mm-hmm. pre roar. I am at, you know, o o o eleven. Okay, so the best way you can do this, uh, just go to that lion, the MGM lion, and before it roars, just press pause, and when I say go, that's when you press play. Indeed. Everyone there? Everyone there? Bueller? Okay. <laughs> yeah. Fry. <laughs> <laughs> All right, here goes it. Three, two... One, go. Ooh, that's a nice lion roar. Had my volume a little too loud. If you heard the lion roar bleed through, hopefully not. So if you didn't realize it was an MGM film by that lion. Ooh, I like that font. Yeah. Little handball? handball there's a lot of handball courts in new york and i don't see that many people playing handball so how this is 1999 i want to look up how old is de niro at this time like it was just something like my mind was blown the other night not just i mean it's pretty i mean it's basic arithmetic and pretty obvious but it's just like i was just watching a scene from like uh goodfellas and it's like boy like de niro looks like 
young in that. And he's like, you know, so at that time he's in his early forties. Like, I think like maybe at most like mid forties and, mm-hmm. and I'm like, Oh, wait a minute. That movie is 30 years old. So that, <laughs> that, that checks out, <laughs> you know, that he's in his mid early mid seventies now. De Niro Pacino. Heat. Heat. <laughs> Walt. Now, um, I don't know if we talked about this on the original episode, which our guests were amazing, and you definitely want to check that out on cageclub.me. Uh, I won't spoil it too much, but it's a super fun episode. But I don't know if we talked, because I don't know if the documentary was out at that point about De Niro's uh, parents, but De Niro's father was a very talented painter, like his paintings was an art museum, and he was gay. So he's no stranger to the LGBTQ, I guess, community, if you will. I know it's it's something his father struggled with, but it's safe to say, again, from that documentary, he's not the homophobe that he is in this film. No. No, definitely definitely not. I think we did bring bring it up, but it's definitely a a fair thing to hear again because – that plays a big part in this movie. I mean, if you're going to write a two-line description, it would be like a, you know, local cop gets injured and, you know, what, needs the help of a drag queen to learn, you know, to speak again and, do you know, like, I don't know, mm-hmm. including homophobic tendencies or something like that. Wow. <laughs> I don't remember this. I mean, mind you, this is also directed by Joel Schumacher, who yeah. is gay. And so. Yes. Uh, a very prominent person in cinema in general, but also just gay cinema. Mm-hmm. <laughs> would you say to this De Niro character okay boomer what's that okay boomer you never heard that wow I'm going to say okay boomer to you Kyle well, what's okay why am I maybe I have okay, okay have boomer is like what the millennials say to the boomers like when it, when they give an opinion that's like really outdated you just say, okay, boomer, you know, like at the Thanksgiving uh, table. No, because I'm nice to people. I would just be like, oh, I don't necessarily agree with that. I'm not going to come up with like a, like a slander towards them. Every generation sucks and every generation is great. I don't know. Yeah, but you know there's that whole rant. Oh, millennials are doing this. Millennials are ruining Well, the people planet. just don't even – that's also that place pardon. Like the media hasn't moved past millennials and there's already another generation. Yeah. And they forget that, like, between boomers and millennials, there's uh, Gen X. Yeah, exactly. Which, th- th- I would argue, that generation is fucking horrible. No, I think Gen X is better than the boomers. I don't want to argue that here, but that's... Well, I think they were I think they were babied, and they never really fucking did anything. By who? The boomers. <laughs> it's true. Yeah, but the, I don't know. No, I, I got a lot of love for Gen X. That's my favorite generation living because the art from Gen X is, in my opinion, the greatest art we've ever had. Mm. 
I guess you got love, you got love for the boomers. I don't know. Well, I get no. Well, yeah. I mean, I would definitely like. I mean, my favorite musicians of all time are from the boomers generation: Queen, Bowie, Stevie Wonder. Fair, fair. I mean, I like them too, but I liked what Gen X started doing with that kind of stuff. They're certainly more accommodating, as voting trends show. Yeah. Just a good establishing scene of showing the two uh, guys getting ready for the evening. And this is, you know, it's funny you bring that up or we brought it up, right? Like, you have uh, De Niro's character, who's a boomer. And you have Hoffman's character, who's definitely a Gen Xer. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So this is kind of like the pre-generational uh, <laughs> debate, you know? <laughs> What's funny? Uh, De Niro's and uh, Phillips, I'm watching the movie. They're I'm exchange. watching the movie too, but what was funny? Uh, Philip Sterner Hoffman did like just De Niro's face when seeing Philip Sterner Hoffman in the elevator and then he does a kiss at him. Oh, just, oh, the kiss. Yeah. No, definitely. I mean, yeah, like this is well, like, the extremes of each of their generation, pers- you know, perspective generation. So and it's funny because, like, it is, but it's also they're living in New York. It's not like a guy from Kansas, you know? But these are – people forget. People just assume, like, oh, New York, like, super liberal city. Everyone's – like, you have your old-timers, you know? You have yeah, your, you have Italians. People with, <laughs> you have people with, with – I'll say Irish, too. There you go. I'll throw them under the People who have been there a while and think that the world works a certain way. But you're yeah. absolutely right. Like, every generation is going to have White that. privilege. What, true. One day, I think here it might be called straight privilege, right? Like, but one well, day, yes, in the in the in the, their relationship, sure, yeah. One day there'll be a younger generation to be like, oh, those damn millennials are so rigid; they don't understand anything. <laughs> Tale yeah. as old as time, for sure. I mean, I think I think people. I mean, this is I could be totally wrong, but I think people just become the older they get, the more conservative they get. Probably not wrong. Probably not wrong. We'll see. I don't think I've gone that route necessarily, but no, I've th- I've definitely changed a little. I don't know. It doesn't. I think all... maybe not older, but more quote unquote settled. Right? Like you got a like that stereotypical. You got a family. You know, like career. Sure. Ki- kids. Maybe kids. Maybe kids are what does it because you like oh those youngins. Yeah. Well, so, just, just like my streaming services, all of my uh, political stances are a la carte. I have a different, you know. Which is good. That's how it should be. But, I'm you know, not we're not, to, we won't get too political today. Yeah. But, we're not talking Ides of March or Charlie Wilson's War. Or, or oh, uh, God, the party's over. The, yeah, the party's over, yeah. <laughs> um, just going to mention here, we have a returning person from our last film. Yeah. Right? It's so weird, like, you know, like, because when we watched them, the last, I mean, I think the initial run of PSL of Hoffman, 
is the last time I watched Flawless and Jacko's boating, but seeing watching them back to back, it's just like, oh yeah, that's true. like just like seeing her in the you know in both movies. Yeah, and that's definitely Ruben Vega. Yes, busty, rusty. Now, um, it might have been Ana Louise. I forgot who mentioned it last time, but there is some confusion today about what Hoffman's character represents as, right? Like, is she trans? Is she a drag queen? Um, we really don't know. I think it's kind of a mix of both, but it's very 1999 where I don't want to say everyone, but a lot of people kind of thought all those things were the same, you know? Well, does, does the character even, does he say he or she? I'm not sure. We'll have to check that out. We do know in that great uh, Fresh Air interview with Terry Gross, where he talks about getting into this character, Mm -hmm. that he did study a lot of trans people. So he certainly modeled it after that. He specifically spoke about a couple people who were, you know, told him that they felt trapped in, uh, you know, the wrong body. And that's something that you know, he really took with him for this character. And that's certainly a trans person, you know, obviously not every drag queen is trans. You know, you have people who identify as gay, people who identify as bisexual, people who identify as straight who are drag queens. Um, little cultural appropriation for you here thrown in. <laughs> <laughs> so as we try to dive into difficult subjects, they just get even more difficult for us. <laughs> <laughs> have you ever been to a drag show yeah we've i feel like we've been to drag shows together oh probably yeah i mean i've been to a ton so <laughs> well yeah you i mean you live uh right by where even the drag bingo with drag Goldie, bingo yeah okay so i wasn't Goldie counting Locks that, that i don't Louise feel like it's a show i know but they still sing Karen, that was our livelihood, Karen. <laughs> so he still has his vices, whether whether he likes to admit it or not. Yeah. Now there's a couple like different styles of presentation with a drag performance. And I think we discussed this there as well. Like who is singing it? Is all them singing together? It's not a lip sync, right? Well, I think, number one, I think this movie didn't do a great job of syncing up stuff, I think. Fair. So that plays <laughs> a part. Um, but, uh, yeah, because the, pia- like, the piano's live, but then I think maybe there's like kind of a track playing, but then they're singing as well. It's just a weird combination of many things. Do you think that um, Hoffman was playing that piano? Because he said it was live. Maybe. I can't recall any other movie I've seen him play piano, but... Ooh, that's a lot of tongue. You tongue guy? (laughs) (laughs) 
Kyle, does your partner listen to this show? This show no, specifically? She, no, she doesn't listen to anything I do. <laughs> why would you, why would any, like... Uh, well, it's know. the same on my end. I'm just asking. Yeah, no, no way. No. Honestly, I prefer it that way. So. It's not that I prefer it. I just don't blame her. Why would she want to, like, hear my voice that much more? I think you w- would handle that better than I would, like... If you theoretically had a partner who was like, oh, my God, I loved your latest episode, you know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you, 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 I won't share the specific stories, but from my single days, I know because it was like, you know, oh, yeah. be, I'd be like, yeah, like, you know, when you're just making small talk. Oh, what do you do for fun? It's just like uh, I uh, have a podcast and then I'd have like women listening to. Uh, I guess it's more appealing when you're single, you know, like single. And then also like, if you, I think for women, especially like online dating and that kind of stuff, whether it's before they even go on a date with you or early on the first, like after the first date or second date, you know, they, uh, will just be able to, I don't know, hear your voice. Like just, I don't know, get to know you a little bit better. Makes sense. You do the old uh, internet stalking, if you will. Speaking of, of stalking and weird situations here, What's going on now? Ooh, a little slow-mo, right? Like, a little disorientation. A little preview of what his life's going to be like after... Well, no spoiler, but yeah. Um, again, he's a cop. He feels compelled. He hears this commotion. So did they, they... they say once, once you're a cop, you're always a cop, you know? Yeah. So it's kind of crazy. It's before he even, he just like, he wakes up, he grabs his gun. Like, I don't remember this. I thought it's like, so he starts having a stroke. Just Yeah, I, I thought the accident made him that way. But like, no, you're right. It's like happened before, I guess. Yeah, it's just more, yeah. Like, I guess and then they just pass him when going down the stairs. Like, it's not, like, this is before he even like really got to the action that he has the stroke, which is not something I remembered. And this is the only time he'll be with Bob De Niro, right? Oh, the Hoffman. Phil Hoffman. Hoffman. Oh, Hoffman, yeah, yeah, yeah. Two best actor winners. Obviously not at this time. Two people, two New York actors, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. This I feel like if this movie film. was made, not now necessarily, but maybe even like, 10 years ago it would have gotten and I'm going to say no no offense to Joel Schumacher um, but like maybe directed by somebody else I think it would have gotten some like award love oh I think so too I think again if Hoff, you know names count to them like nomination know. love I should say you know if um, if Hoffman was more of a name at the time it would have been a bigger deal yeah, I mean, not even necessarily that, because at least you have the anchor name of Robert De Niro, and then you can go ahead and, like, you know, like, you know, some not-big-name people have, like, won Best Supporting Actor. Oh, of course! I mean, even Hoffman at the time won Best Actor, and he wasn't a household name. But I, I think that they would um, push it more if it... This movie has a quality. I can't put my finger on it. That's Not that it's bad because i like it and i think it's good but it doesn't have that like crispness of a traditional best picture you know what i'm saying 
it feels yeah. like something you would rent of De Niro's in the 90s. Like like The Fan. You know that movie where he's like a crazy baseball fan? Mm-hmm. Like there was like yeah. an era of De Niro that it – it's not that it was bad because there's that era of De Niro, De Niro too. But it wasn't stuff that was getting Oscars. Yeah, I mean it is also – it's – I mean Joel Schumacher's visual style doesn't necessarily usually like lend itself to – I don't know, just... Uh, um, what are you talking about? Batman and Robin is amazing visually. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, it doesn't help that then, like, that's fine for Batman and Robin. Like, his style makes more sense for, like, a comic book. But, it, like, this, the colors are very, like, there's definitely, there's, like, a, a lot, you know... It's one thing if it's, like, the outfits for drag queens in the movies, but, like, even just, like, random hallways will just, like, be lit a very weird and sometimes like colorful way that's fair that's fair and you and i have a recent schumacher connection can you remember it you you and i have a recent we just briefly on not this podcast but another one of our podcasts just briefly talked about a schumacher film Uh, i'll give you a clue it was your show Wait, what did we just talk? Like that it was you briefly. It wasn't. It, it wasn't the subject of the show. It was the clip. Oh, um, jeez, what a great host I am! <laughs> <laughs> falling down, falling down is a Joel Schumacher film. Oh, I forgot. I forgot that's a Joel Schumacher film. Yeah, he should have. I don't know. That like movie has. It's weird. Like. That's weird that these two. They are like. Yeah, I guess they're similar in like tone that is true yeah um and again we discussed joel schumacher on your show because that famous uh breakfast food scene and you like to do your food scenes and uh but did the name joel (laughs) schumacher come up did we say like falling down no we didn't say schumacher on your episode but i remember i looked it up okay yeah you know when i was watching the scene yeah i just don't know like if i knew that then i've like forgotten it and it hasn't even used like yeah um, I actually was talking about a Joel Schumacher film yesterday, not on my podcast, but briefly texted with my brother, and I was talking with my wife about it. The The movie is St. Elmo's Fire, <laughs> because it has that very iconic um, theme. Pretty corny, but I love it. Jeez, he goes dark right away. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not laughing at that, I'm just laughing at your comment, because it's like, holy shit. Yeah, he just like, dude, just try some fucking rehab. Like, I can't imagine, like... But he's such... Kyle, you you and I know what it is. He's such a proud man, you know, quote-unquote, like... Uh, even today, like, older men don't like to seek help. It's like, of that generation. Like, it's a sign of weakness if you seek help. Yeah, for sure. I don't know. I'm, I don't agree with that, to be clear. I don't think it's a sign of weakness, but that's their perspective <laughs> I love that line <laughs> I love one thing about Phyllis Murphy and I know you know what I'm going to say the way he's able to mold his voice into the character yeah that for, for sure <laughs> Oh, 
Why would you leave? Was this nothing else happened, right? Like they be watching you. Like I feel like they would have just killed him right then. Like not leave like a I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Um just back to the voice quickly. The just think of his voice here. And then think of his voice in Capote, and then think of his voice in Almost Famous. Just three random films, but three completely different voices. Just even the voice, if the other film uh, was voted Big Lebowski, just that... that oh, yeah. <laughs> just this <brand laughs> just so waspy in that movie. And to me, maybe some people will disagree, but to me, it never found sounds like put on and phony. It never sounds like a caricature. We no, talked he absorbs it yeah. and becomes it. I mean, I think Big Lebowski is 98, so we're talking these movies are a year apart, you know? (laughs) Still early in his career. (laughs) I didn't, like, remember that they focused so much on this guy. This is a lingering shot. Yeah. He's, uh, he was in a film you covered recently. Really? What was he in? Dazed and Confused. Oh, who's that? He's he has a really he's really stoned. Has a long hair and the backwards like, um, like kind of cap that I cap. Oh my cap, god! Yeah. Wait, that's that guy? That's Rory Cochran? I'm pretty damn sure. And then he's like also in like then later on. I mean, it's a while ago, but Argo. I didn't. Oh my! Guess who just followed me on Instagram last week? Rory Cochran. Rory Cochran. So I didn't realize that that was him. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Okay. (laughs) Shout out to Rory Cochran. I apologize if you listened to this episode of Flawless. I forgot you were in this movie. I didn't really get a good look at, like you said, it's weirdly He's got the, he's got the facial hair. Like he's definitely, I don't think there's, cause, and I say this because they do it with like, as we saw with, uh, some of the. I don't want to call them gang criminals thus far, but they definitely mm-hmm. there's certain actors playing Latino that shouldn't be, and so yes. I don't know if his character is supposed to be. Well, I'm going to look that up. I don't... Pogo is his name. It's possible. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's yeah. As a Latin person, I'm not going to flaw you for that. Rory Cochran, you're the man. You were one of my favorite parts of Dazed and Confused, and I'm so happy you're in Flawless. <laughs> That's honestly, he's in a lot of my favorite movies, or movies that I watch and enjoy. This being one of them. Not that it's one of my favorite movies, but it's a movie I watch and enjoy. But I, I do love Argo. I love Days and Confused. Empire Records, he's in. Oh, yeah, Empire Records. There's definitely a, uh, maybe not accurately played... Uh, by like so, some people, um, but like uh, ethnic diversity in this film. Yeah, I remember I th- believe it was shot on location in the East Village. <laughs> it's funny because like Rent takes place in the East Village, and they use a lot of actors from Rent. Oh, they live in the East Village. It's something like that. I mean, I know it was shot there. Oh, uh, okay. I thought, I mean, I know, like, obviously when he goes to drag shows, that's supposed to be the East Village, but I, I thought for some reason this was more 
uptown, like a Harlem neighborhood? Uh, I'm not sure. I mean, I uh, again, I know they shot there. I'm not. Sh- I don't know if it says exactly where they're living. Gotcha. And he's just like a nice guy, you know. Or yeah, again, I don't know. So- he identifies i'm not sure rusty rusty's a nice person and (laughs) yeah i mean just still trying to be a good person good neighbor they might have their shouting matches from you know i'm sure they obviously they have very little interaction with one another besides Mm -hmm. maybe running into one another in at the elevator or in the in the stairwell but then like you know again the shouting at one another you know, when, uh, if I guess when he has his, um, friends over to practice, you know, rehearsing and stuff like that. <laughs> so I remember Goldilocks and Ana Louise saying how a lot of the drag queens in this film, I think that one is famous. I forgot yes. their name, but. Like, they're still around. You can go see a show. Yeah. And... Or at, at least at the time of the recording. Yeah. So, definitely. Like you said, I mean, they're definitely, you know, they're shooting in New York. <laughs> uh, and they're just getting a lot of locals to be in this film. And it's convincing because they're very good at what <laughs> they America's do. It's America's wanted. <laughs> they're very good at what they do, you know? Mm-hmm. They don't feel like their actor is playing these characters. <laughs> I won't repeat that line, but that's that's. What did they? What did, what did they say? I didn't hear. Yes, he did. <laughs> Has nothing to do with their. Um sexual orientation or anything like that. I love any colorful drama. Like, not just, like, angry drama, like, just, like, regular plain drama, but, like, anytime anyone's, like, being over the top about something, it's entertaining. Absolutely. And the art of drag, while it's changed throughout the years, it is very, you know, it's supposed to be, again, the volume turned up to 11. It's caricature. Yeah. Like burlesque. You know, and then even, uh, was it the episode before? Was it the big night episode that then we? I guess we're having some connections because, like you said, falling down like Joel Schumacher, and then we talked uh, a famous scene from a movie involving drag, which is uh, the Birdcage. The Birdcage, yeah. And I keep forgetting to say his name, but Wilson Germain Heredia, who was also in Rent, who played Angel in Rent, both the stage play and the movie, uh-huh. um, is in the film as well. He he was the one person that the drag queen who signed up said was going to win the competition. Gotcha. Their name in this is Cha-Cha, which I don't like because... <laughs> um, I don't know. I, I guess it's comical, right? I guess it's comical. Yeah. 
There is a stereotype of that like Latin drag queen, but I'm also not going to complain because I don't think it's necessarily a bad stereotype. And one of my favorite actors ever, John Leguizamo, yeah, John Leguizamo plays <laughs> a very famous on-screen uh, drag queen, if you will. Uh, I guess what is his name in that? Ooh, I don't know. Something. Like, I'm going to look it up. That's Swayze, Snipes, and Leguizamo. <laughs> I wonder how that's viewed in the true drag community. Again, we're we're talking about uh, Tu Wong Fu. I, I I mean, you definitely have to, I think, give it to those actors at the time for, you know. Committing, at least. Yeah, com- I mean, being in a movie. And pl- I mean, I know it's acting in the end of the day, but still, like, I mean, we're talking in the 90s. There's unforgiving, I mean, there's still unforgiving, like, studio heads or unforgiving audiences and, you know, playing against type. I mean, yeah, I guess, I mean, Swayze, like, in the end of the day. Uh, I don't know, he's... Swayze was an incredibly interesting actor in the roles he took, I mean, because you think of, like, what, between Dirty Dancing, but then you have Roadhouse, like... Yeah. I There's something to it, though, that... I like how Hoffman's an unknown here, and Tu Wong Fu, they're all kind of pretty well-known at that point. And like, it was all Paul, being the least. Yes. I think part of the gag there is like, oh, look at these like Wesley Snipes like actors dressing like women. Ha ha. Yeah, we more if De Niro played like the drag queen in this. Yes, exactly. Like this is more. um, This respects the community a little bit more than that film. Not saying that film doesn't because I enjoy that film. But I wonder again if I were theoretically a drag queen, how I would feel about the film. And by the way, his character in. Tu Wong Fu is Chi Chi Rodriguez. This character in here, that's Any played relation? by, yes, he, he, I wish. <laughs> the character in Flawless is named Cha Cha, so they do have different names, at least. Okay, slightly. Chi Chi Cha Cha. Honestly, I'm more excited about the Hoffman moments in this film than I am the De Niro moments. I know De Niro is supposed to be like the cornerstone here. I get this is P.S. I love Hoffman, but their interaction is what draws me to the film. Yeah. Just getting to see, I mean, when you think of the movies that he gets to go, like when we covered like doubt and going, going toe to toe with Meryl Streep, while this might not be as extreme in their, you know, uh, dialogue, it's still just like amazing to see these two guys playing off of one another. Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> I need the money. Now you just sound like, do you watch, um, you ever watch, do you watch Schitt's Creek? Yes. It sounds like, um, Moira. Oh, uh, Mo- yeah, Moira. <laughs> but why? Like, it's just like... <laughs> <laughs> so one thing I was going to say, today, I don't know if we would get this film again. <clears throat> 
starring like A-list actors who weren't a part of the LGBT community. I think today people are more conscious to cast actors who are representative of that community. I, I mean, as far as we know, Philip Seymour Hoffman was straight. You know, I haven't heard anything otherwise. Uh, at the time, it wasn't that big of a deal. And again, they do make a big effort to cast a lot of people who are in the drag community in this film. So that's cool and all. But I think Jared Leto is probably the last person to really get a claim for playing a trans person and not being trans, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. It's not something that is done too often today. I mean, I think people are afraid it's going to look like uh, Mickey Rooney playing an Asian person in um, Breakfast at Tiffany's. I am happy, though, that no one has ever, as far as I've heard, like really criticized Hoffman's performance in this and said it's like dated or perverse. Again, I don't know. I'm not yeah. the expert in it. But from everything I've heard, it's a pretty respected performance, and he respected the role enough not to make it a caricature. Well, uh, yeah, I th- well, and that's exactly, I mean, that's the difference between that and obviously the extreme, like, example you gave of, like, Mickey Rooney, a caricature. Like, I mean, you know, I mean, uh, let's go with uh, what Rami Malek win- winning for Bohemian Rhapsody, you know, like, as far as I know, mm-hmm. he's straight. But yeah, and no one, no one said anything that I heard about that. Uh, I, there yeah, was a like as far bit as more... that aspect of the performance, obviously, plenty of people had things to say about like the prosthetic teeth and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, I heard a but... little bit more about uh, what's his name, the Kingsman guy playing Elton John. Oh, um, yeah. Um, God, I'm forgetting his name too. Don't worry. Uh, and you know, it's a tricky subject that we don't have the answers to. We just host the podcast. So. No, we don't have the answers to. And then also, I'm not going to then speak. Like, of course, like it might not offend offend me because I'm not gay but in the end of the day I think what you like what you said Philip Seymour Hoffman really like he did the work and he was paying respect to it Mm -hmm, so I mm -hmm. think in the end of the day if you do that like you're 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 good like it's 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 acting you know you know that's yeah again the argument against it would be and it wasn't really a concern at the time but like there are great trans actors out there who can't book these parts because someone who's not trans would get it you know the whole scarlett johansson thing you know when she like what did she do like three three movies in a row where she she tried to be something she really shouldn't one of them was a trans person that she uh tried to get that role for and then you know properly backed out uh, yeah. There's a, there's a thin line, I, but I think, again, at the time that wasn't something that was clear. Like, also, we'll bring up Schumacher again. He is a director who's traditionally very representative of the LGBTQ community, and he chose Hoffman. So yeah, exactly. But then you know, the, I, I, so I, again, I think if you if you pay respect and you're being, you know, like. If, if you're going to have, if you have the caliber and then the respect of Philip Seymour Hoffman, like, and I'm saying that they even then made this, I mean, well, obviously while well, you're still alive, but if it was made today mm-hmm. and you can get that and not that like, you know, then yeah, Joel Schumacher necessarily shouldn't be the voice of then the gay community. No, 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 of course not. But, but, but you, 
I mean, if you if you want to make that, then you you make that. Like I don't I don't I don't have a problem any with that, problem with Scarlett Johansson playing Asian characters. No, that's again that's that's <laughs> that's I'm different. I'm kidding. I know. But then also, like, is she supposed to be Asian? I like I don't know this. I've never seen it. I know it's based off of. But yeah, Asian. yes, she is. Okay, so yeah, that's that's <laughs> wrong. No, 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 no. Sorry, sorry. Let me backtrack. She is in all the source material. I don't think she's supposed to be an Asian person. So it's not as wrong as Breakfast Yeah, so it's more, in that case, they're just like, this is coming from Asian material. Like, you know, uh, it's like, it's very, what what was it, Ghost something? Ghost in a Shell? Some silly movie. I mean, I honestly think that one's a lot better than the the trans thing today, which is more related to this film that she was going to play. A trans character, you know, because, again, that's, it's kind of like, give people a chance, you know, give them, get some more visibility in the industry. Scarlett Johansson doesn't have to play everything, you know? (laughs) Yeah. I love that little, like, just before he he let Rusty into the apartment, Mm -hmm. just, just let me in, daddy, just like using that level of embarrassing him with the neighbors around. I love everything that's going on again with their interaction. What like De Niro has to do for this role, what Hoffman has to do. They're both influencing their voices. You know they were both committed on set, most likely. For sure. I think Hoffman, um I could be completely wrong here, but I think he did a lot of his own makeup. Just to get into the role, I'm sure it was touched up by professionals, you know. Especially yeah, like, but just like camera the... makeup is different than you know. Yeah, exactly. It's di- yeah, but in terms of just like the base, probably he did. <laughs> when you <it> was fun. <laughs> <laughs> love it and you know like this movie i was like wow it's kind of long it's one of the longer ones we've done recently because we got like a string of like shorter ones yeah but we're already 40 minutes in yeah i i I just i'm gonna put it before i even said like drama maybe i should even just say i love sass in any shape and form like oh that is a hundred percent true kyle you're a you're not a big sassy guy I'm not a sassy guy, but I I find enjoyment out of like you enjoy sass. I enjoy I sass. I don't know if you enjoy being sassed. I I think I could take it in stride. I like that. I think more you than... respect being sassed. I don't know if you enjoy it. Well, okay, sure. Like that. <laughs> <laughs> but I think you like a sassy person. I like a sass. Yeah. Like you'd prefer sass in your life than. Like you said, drama before, you know. Yeah, there's a I, yeah, there's a difference. Like there's because I don't know because there's just like more. I don't know, it's just more colorful and more. Yeah, when you said colorful drama, you meant sass. Yeah, exactly. That's that's <laughs> sass is colorful drama. So there we go. So the lessons <laughs> have started. I don't think we got into this, but yeah. So that's like the main plot i don't say i'd rather have this like a kind of king speech kind of thing than the whole like you know murder and 
guns and stuff. Yeah, like that. that's like the that's the the. the this movie like doesn't need it to continue. There should just be an inciting in- incident, a crime. Didn't have to be in their building, you know. It's just it leads to that over-the-top ending with like you know Rusty being chased after and all that kind of stuff, which I just which think really it, you need that for an over over-the-top ending just. Do something like the birdcage, like at the drag show or something, you know? <laughs> yeah, just make the stakes between, like, their friendship. It could be, you know, yeah, just, and that's... <sighs> this definitely falls... I wish there was, like, a name for, like, movies that go this route, because then I love a simpler movie, and, I mean, the movie reason I started Foodie Films and just one of my favorite films and I always give it as an example when it comes to, like, describing movies and, like, plots and just, just keeping it simple is Chef. And, like, at the end, you know, he takes that road trip with his son and they have that conversation on top of the food truck in Austin saying, like, listen, when we get back to L.A., like, you're going to have to be back at school. I'm going to be doing this thing. Like, this was fun. I want you to know that. But, you know, it's not going to be the same as it's been for the past couple of weeks doing this road trip. And, like, if that movie was made like this, the kid would have run off and you would have had John Favreau screaming, like, where are you? <laughs> yeah, which so unnecessary. Yeah, exactly. And, like, that film is just simple, and then John Favreau goes back, he watches that, like, one second a day video that his son made, and you see, like, you know, him just, like, glowing from it, and realizing, like, wow, like, why am I gonna go fuck this up again? Let me have my son be in my life as much as possible. <laughs> 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 what well, this movie does so good again especially for 1999 is just i mean it's going to be obvious what i'm about to say but like challenge gender stereotypes like that a man again has to be macho and has to be tough and can't ask for help that's why it's like it's heartbreaking for de niro that he has to ask for help from the person he probably wants the least help from but yeah do you, what choice does he have and to a lesser extent, as you were saying before, with like uh, what, tu, tu Wong Fu and like those mm-hmm. guys playing, you know, it's, so it's like, oh, you know, playing like against type and that kind of stuff. You definitely do have, I mean, I mean, it's a pretty obvious statement I'm making, but people that go see a Robert De Niro movie because they're like, yeah, fucking Raging Bull. It's true. Goodfellas, Casino, and they're just thinking that. And I just love the We're idea. We're not those guys, but you're right. There are guys like that. Yeah, and um, and I just love the idea that probably some of them were tricked into seeing this movie. And like, so like what percentage, and then what percentage probably turned it off like, Almost right away, or like you know, ten minutes in, and then what percentage like stuck around and like watched it and actually you know appreciated the performances? Oh, sorry, I've been talking over so... this great. Oh, oh, oh I love this. Goddamn! <laughs> Shout out Paramus, New Jersey. <laughs> All them balls. 
Okay, okay, this makes it clear. There we go, yeah. Yeah, so that's why I think, like, I'm an artist. We use that line in our, I put that in our opening, right? Yeah, our opening. When you and I first talked about doing this show, this was something that you were like, oh, have you ever seen Flawless? I'm like, no. And you're like, oh, you have to see Flawless. It's it's such a different performance than you're used to with him. Yeah. So, you know, this is like one of, I say, the foundational films of the show. For sure. I mean, for the show... I mean, for his career. I don't think it gets as... talked about enough, though, in when people talk about his career. No, this would be a really interesting when we've said like, you know, if we we're gonna do like a, uh, you know, Alamo has their nights. Like, if if you gave me, you know, I know sometimes it's just like three movies in an actor's career. Sometimes it's five. If you give me five, like maybe I would include this. For his performance, yeah, for... I mean, honestly, especially at the time in the career that it occurs too, I, I wouldn't argue with that. Yeah, like, I mean, do I want to see Boogie Nights and Twister? Yes, uh, but as far as again, like his roles, or you know, and Big Lebowski, like those are all fun and entertaining movies, or or even obviously like. You know, Boogie Nights a masterpiece, but as far as getting Philip Seymour Hoffman, and that's what you're going to do like a movie night about, this is a great early movie that you get a lot of him, and just one of his more just, I mean, no, you know, uh, just colorful roles. Nice jacket. You should get that jacket. I do own that jacket, actually. You know that's Since my you, style. Uh, you should, uh, we, we, you should uh, posting your story even in the high school slumber party, just being like, "Oh, watching that since you're friends with him and tag him in a picture." Oh, next time he's next time he's on, remind me because I'll probably forget because I'm like getting into the movie. But that's not a that's not a bad idea. Yeah. We'll definitely see him again. I think there's like a very significant part with him. Lover's Quarrel. Mm-hmm. Did we discuss this? I don't think it was on air if we discussed that you're someone who people would assume owns a kimono, but you don't. No, I think this was during a recent when we were on House Party and, and you own a kimono. I own a kimono. I got it for Christmas. Yes. I, I don't. I don't. I only. I don't, I'm not even like a bathrobe guy. I was. Uh, I'm. I've never been a robe guy, but I, I know you're a cabana gear guy. I like cabana gear too, and the kimono kind of goes with that. Yeah, I am, but I actually don't surprisingly like own a lot because it tends to be pretty expensive. It's it's stupid, but I guess I get it because you don't wear it every day, at least not in this climate. <laughs> yeah. Do you think he goes up to Yonkers and gambles with the money? Yeah, I hope. 
That's a great line. There's no romance without finance. I've made this argument before. Maybe not as in the same cadence, but uh, you're always going to pay. So you made the argument that your uh, significant others were prostitutes? Not prostitutes, but just no matter what, you're going to pay in life. (laughs) Vice versa. I'm not saying I'm not, but... What do you think your rate would be as a prostitute? I mean, what? I guess it depends where, right? What categories are we talking about and who are we talking... (laughs) Like, what, what, um, you know... I'll take the question back. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) This is what you get when I don't go grab a beer. This kind of conversation. (laughs) (laughs) Do you have a landline? I'm assuming you don't. I do not. I don't either. Landlines made such different noises. What happened? Yeah, I forget what happens. He's curious. It must be very difficult to play this character for De Niro, because he can hardly speak, and he can't communicate with his face. He can with his eyes, at least. His eyes, yeah, but you know, not in his traditional De Niro way. Think of, like, Meet the Parents, like him saying, like, yes to something, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Does that mean Meet the Parents. Me? Didn't you vote that that was your favorite trilogy in film no. history, Meet the Parents? Meet the parents, meet the fuckers, little fuckers. Yeah, great trilogy. <laughs> do you do a good De Niro accent? Not this one. Don't make fun of his disability. That <laughs> well, that's not his accent, though. Uh, it's just like his traditional movie accent. Like, like mm, I, I'm trying to think. I think I do I a better can. face than a voice. Yeah, the face is the face. You know, I'm doing the face right now. You can't it's see like the squinty face. eyes, a little bit of a, a little bit of puckering. Like a new role. Let me see. It's like let me, let me try. it's a hard one. You talking to me? Huh? It's like it's pretty broken up. That you one's like an that? easier one. Taxi driver. I was thinking uh, meet the parents. Like, like you, you like you say you, you a pot, Greg? Fucker? You think? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's hard. <laughs> I think people overdo his New York accent when they're like mock, not mocking him, uh, doing imp- impersonating him. You know? And yeah, it's not I mean that th- thick. Like no. maybe to outsiders, but he's not like Joe I mean, Pesci. You know? <laughs> which also is a New Jersey accent, sir. Thank okay, you. New York area <laughs> accent. I hate your fucking pride. 
so I'm dumb. just I'm making it better for you, better for as a as a New Yorker. I'm making it more, you know. It's it's a New York area accent. People don't say the New Jersey area, <laughs> and that's not me saying, "Oh, New York City's better." I don't care. Oh, oh, you didn't remind me. Oh, I can't screen. Oh, I could take a photo of it, right? A video for Rory. Oh, Cochran. that's what you meant by. Oh, okay. I was kind of a little confused by what you meant before. I thought you meant like when he's like on Instagram or something. Like you meant no, no, no. He comes back on screen, screen in the but... movie. Oh, I'm sure there's just like a go- if you Google his name and put flawless, there's an image. But I want to show that I'm watching. Oh, okay. We'll just make a little video and put it in your story. That's what I'm doing, but okay. you can't really see his face right now, and he's getting beat up too. <laughs> Do we see him again? I don't know. There you go. That's a good shot of him. Just be like, why are you always uh, there's just so, so much drugs around you and you're There you go. Well Kustatasha. Such a weird, like, B.C. plot. Sorry, I was recording. <laughs> yeah, it really is. Um... It's just like, <laughs> I, like, I just, to me, like, because that's, like, the exact same shot as earlier. Like, Do you think they just, they just did, like, can... a day of, like, him just doing that? Yeah, exactly. Not even a day, like, an hour of just, like, okay, there's this shot. Use this dialogue here, that dialogue there. So how do you mother for me? I don't understand when someone gets like racist or offensive and then someone claps back and they're like mad. You know? (laughs) I know he's like kind of being in jest, but like you see it all the time. That's the truth. That's the arrogance of it all. How long is uh, just a one-shot video supposed to be on Instagram, like for a story? I mean, it's if it's longer than fifteen seconds, it becomes like two clips. Yeah, I kind of wanted it to just be short, though. But your brain's still broken. <laughs> <laughs> Ha, ha, ha. 
what are you gay now? Like, <laughs> he must be gay because he talks to someone who's in the LGBT community. That's how it works. <laughs> It's so bad, but not inaccurate for this time. Not, yeah, for... No, uh, no, 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 not, not that, you know what I mean, that, that people would think that, not that that would happen. I understand what you're saying. I was going to say, like, not inaccurate for that time and, like, that age group and that, like, you know. Yeah. Yes, 100%. I think it's so important to note, again, that, like, Hoffman wasn't really a name at this point because you've... at. To this point in the film, you've only seen him really in drag. So when you see this, you're like, oh, my God. Like, I think the people you were, you were talking about who go to the film to watch, oh, yeah, I was a big fan of Heat. Let me watch De Niro in this and see that. Like, I imagine, again, I might just be, like, crazy. But, like, I imagine they're like, oh, wow. So he, like, can actually look like a man. Like, it's not just, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Oh, what a line. Well, my father killed her a long time ago. Yeah, buried her today. Yeah, just, it, it, I mean, just, I mean, I, I think it also, let's just give credit to then what makeup can do, you know? Like, it's obviously a performance, but just applying the makeup how it could just um transform somebody yeah it's something that you and i definitely don't know a lot about but no we love film but i think you more than me know more aspects of film but i think we're both limited in terms of certain aspects of the whole filmmaking process process like and it's only going to get worse because just, what, yesterday or two days ago, they combined both sound categories for the Oscars. Oh, come on. So now it's so editing and, and mixing, and now it's just all, you know, best sound. What? Whatever. That'd be like if you, that to me, that's the, that'd be the same thing if you put, like, hair, makeup, and costumes together. Yeah. And again, this is the opposite of his 
I'm 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 an artist speech that we saw before that we love so much. Yes. <laughs> you look really good today. <laughs> uh, it's like heartbreaking. For sure. Ugh. On so many levels, this is depressing. Ooh. I'd be pissed at that. Yeah, just already a character that's obviously, like, struggling to get by. I'm surprised that person didn't fuck up more in that room. <laughs> you said it earlier. Yeah. So there you go. So. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I didn't know why I didn't remember this. Um, that aspect of it. Yeah. The money. And yeah. The so. Up, yeah. So while so he meant never at this point we can refer as she as you know. she yeah yeah and she is saving up for the uh, surgery and she is very clearly trans mm-hmm. Totally forgot this conversation. Wow, wow. Shame on us, right? Again, what did we not do? Listen, Listen to, the, to the episode. <laughs> the episode. Do as I say, not as I do, guys. I'm sorry, what was that? I said, do, do as we say, not as we do. Yes. Listen yes. to our previous episodes on cageclub.me. God. Ugh. But you know what? That's not what someone like that would not say and think. You know? Sadly. No. I mean, from the very little understand. I mean, honestly, he surprisingly took that more and just like, you, you would think someone like that would be like, no, that's not possible. Like, you're a guy. You're not like ever a woman trapped in, you know, a man's body. Yeah. Fair. Well, look, it's uh, Hector Salamanca. Right there. Oh, cool. I think he's... Is he Greek in real life? I'm not sure. 
Yeah. I know he's an Ace Ventura, too. <laughs> Ace Ventura, the first one. He's not in Ace Ventura, too. I meant Ace Ventura as well. As, yeah, yeah, as well. What did you just say? Never think he'd see him hanging out with drag queens. Who? No, okay. He, he used a racial slur. I didn't want you to <laughs> say it again. Oh. Oh, God. What? This makes me uncomfortable. Like, not like whatever prostitutes can do what they want. I'm not saying that, but it's like that they're like pushing. That her on him? <sighs> yep. You know what I'm saying? Like Now I'm just like even thinking um like what not that they ever have a scene together, at least I, I don't recall maybe they will after they haven't yet thus far in the movie and I don't recall one, but I also didn't re- we didn't recall that last conversation that Walt and Rusty had. Anyway, um, if Phil Hoffman and uh, Daphne had, like, a conversation on the set of Jacko's Boating about this movie. Probably. I mean, again, I imagine since they're both... So well, I mean, they also new- probably saw one another... Be, like, it probably wasn't just the yeah, next was, time they saw one another. No, so. I was going to say they're both into the New York theater scene so much that I imagine that. Maybe they didn't have the conversation on set there, except it was like, "Oh, remember last time we were on a movie set?" You know, because yeah, like I'm not saying they were like friends, someone like certainly... Amy Ryan who hadn't been in a film with the two of them together would have been like, "Oh yeah, and we've yeah," and I, I'm sure they, they rode in the same circles. I wonder if she got not trying to take anything away from her, but if she's in this movie because of him. Because obviously he is... I honestly don't think so. I think, on like, Rent, the play, was so hot at this point, And it takes place in the same neighborhood that it's just like, oh, we get these two people from the play Rent. It's like, at the time, getting someone from Rent was almost like getting someone from Hamilton, if that makes sense. No, yeah, I definitely... I get that. I just wasn't sure, you know, because obviously Phil Seymour Hoffman has the higher billing in this. So I wasn't sure if there was uh, any other... But at the same time, then you, you would have thought that. You, but by I'm I'm playing devil's advocate to my or counter arguing myself right now that like um, um, John Ortiz would be one of the uh, you know these gangsters or something like that. Yeah, and it also who knows where everyone was in their relationships at this point. Like Hoffman is billed high, but he's not a big name, you know. No. But, you know, like, once, I mean, like, I'm sure they must have casted, like, him and De Niro first. And then if they were doing, like, a script read, and he, you know, I mean, you definitely hear actors say, like, oh, have you found anyone for this part yet? Because I definitely know somebody. That would be great. So. But, I, yeah, I totally get what you're saying. And that probably is the more likely situation that they're like, yeah, no, rent is huge. Let's get this actress. Yeah, Rent was certainly the play of its day. You know, occasionally you get these generational Broadway things. Yeah. And certainly Rent. um... Our next podcast. (laughs) Yes, exactly. 
stage to screen. Uh, got West Side Story. <laughs> that was probably like the 1950s, 60s generations Rent and then ha- or Hamilton. <laughs> Again, we don't know Broadway enough, you or I, to be like, what were, you know, because like the generational plays, like obviously like Miss Saigon is a play that I'm familiar with. I don't know if it was generational. I don't think so, you know? Like, um, but again, certainly Rent. Certainly Hamilton. Probably Wicked. Um, Meaning that a certain generation, like... Like that was the play, like that... Lion King. The Lion King. Yeah, Lion King did change the game a bit. It wasn't so much about the actors on that one. No. Uh, but you know, there are certain plays that take like actors who are just Broadway actors and make them A-listers yeah. or even like uh, even the directors and stuff. Yeah. Or I mean I know that both actors were big older but like the producers was just such a The producers know. might be up there again. We don't know enough, but producers was like you couldn't get a ticket to the producers. Yeah, and that that's actually more the realm of like what I'm bringing up right now. Like just like those play, you know, those musicals, those plays that just uh Yeah, uh I would say the big one, the really big one before Hamilton that you couldn't get a ticket for was Book of Mormon. Oh, yeah. I think Spanalot was like that for like a second. But definitely yeah, it, the rain wasn't as long, but yeah, that certainly was the hot show. You had those, you had like, you had producers, Spanalot, Book of Mormon, just as far as like comedic, you know. You had that like... That turkey. Yeah. Like right now, like, or I don't know about right now, but like for a while, like Dear Evan Hansen was hot, but I don't think it made the cultural impact of Hamilton or something like that. Mm-hmm. Ooh, montage. Nice. Spo- spoiler alert, but I think that's how the movie ends, right? With them, or does it just like. Does it end with them like practicing and, and like singing this, or does it just cut to it in like the credits? You know, like use it as its audio during the credits. I feel like it might. Oh, I think you're right. Yeah. By the way, is this a movie about a musician? It's a movie about a musician. Um, musician perform. I mean, like I, yeah, I think like... It, I think it technically qualifies, but it wouldn't be high on my list of top movies about musicians because it's not the focus but i think it technically yeah like qualifies. actually we did yeah we didn't yeah when we talked about like pi- there's pirate radio almost famous uh did we have another one in that category for him yeah yeah we definitely do uh, i can't remember the top of my head but we've talked about a bunch of those and i think there's more boat movies but this is certainly in there mm-hmm So just uh, just to get on the Broadway uh, thing, or maybe get off of it, can you name me who one of the stars of the both of both stars of the Book of Mormon got kind of famous, but one of the stars got Josh really Gad. famous, and that's Josh Gad, yeah. Oh, and then also another hairspray was big. Yes, yes, for sure. Just thinking of uh, drag. <laughs> and not an insult by any means, but the what the um, 
drag queen that Goldie and Anna pointed out that's at the uh, right side of the, is off screen right now, but is, you know, in the corner on the right. Um, reminds me a bit of, uh, one of the, I mean, maybe the most prolific drag queen in uh, Divine. Divine's certainly up there, you know. I think RuPaul has taken over that man. Oh, yeah. I'm dead. Uh, yeah. That's... But that's, yeah, that, whoever that drag queen is back there is a very famous one. knees. <laughs> <laughs> that's a great, that's just like a. That's like a double zinger right there, perfectly saying banana I republic, th- banana republican. Yeah. I think um, that scene's turned up to 11, uh, because, like, really, they're all going to go into that meeting dressed in suits and ties. It, it makes it more funny, but... Yeah, the the juxtaposition of it, That's the it's the visual, yeah. Yeah, because, like, if you're courting that group, you probably just... I'm not going to say they're going to dress in drag, too, and be phonies... Because that's clearly not their thing. But, you know, lose the tie, at least. Yeah, yeah. But, I mean, that was that scene was just a perfect example of the... Kind of showing what, obviously, is more... I think more people are trying to under, understand or trying to understand. And the message is, like, clear. Now it's just like, yeah, we're not trying to change... We're not ashamed of you. Like, you know, just be more open to us. Yeah, they just want to be treated, you know, people just want to be treated as equals. Not... We said it back on the initial run, I know, but just, it's, you know, it's a pretty, uh, pretty progressive film. Yeah, for sure. Would this guy be played by uh, Diego Luna now? That'd be cool. <laughs> This again, like it doesn't feel like it fits into the film. Like exactly, I don't just, need this. I don't. Need yeah. It. Oof. I don't even remember this scene. Why would you? It's not memorable. <laughs> But yeah, you're absolutely right. You hit the nail on the head. It just... Who would remember this scene? Yeah, it just doesn't need to... This this whole, like... Oh, birdie. Uh, it doesn't need to exist. It, there's no reason this needs to have... Like, all Walt needs to have an experience that he receives, you know, a stroke from... And that's it. That's like, even if it's like, we got to get you ready for this medal ceremony that's going to happen, where you're saying this speech or you're saying a speech at your granddaughter's something. You know what? I'm, maybe he shouldn't have family like that, but you know what I mean. Like, it could be something as simple as like a family matter, or or, or a high honor that he has to do, rather than. And again, if you're going to do this gunplay stuff, fine. But we don't need to know why. Like, we don't need to know the ins and outs. <laughs> you know, like, 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 this is something that should exist off camera. Yes. 
Yeah, if they want to have that one scene of, like, the thugs going into Rusty's apartment and then saying, like, we're keeping an eye on you, and then later in the film somebody, come, like, you know, whatever they want to transpire. Oh, surprise party. <laughs> I, I laugh, too, because, like, why would they think he would like that unless that's the joke? Yeah. Not the decorations, but, like, you know, having... <laughs> like, even the little old lady neighbors oh there, God. the doctors the there. The films. Yeah. <laughs> I love, again, I love how they're, like, tan boobs, you know, like, because that's what he likes. He likes Daphne Rubin Vega. <laughs> That is a nice wig. Like, I was like, who is that character? <laughs> My left foot, Daniel Day-Lewis, great. <laughs> That's amazing. This is so offensive. Like, here, all these movies about people with disabilities, <laughs> yeah. including one animated one. Unless he's talking about, like, the original, like, black and white version. <sighs> I like how this guy's into it, though. I just got really hungry. Two pies for all those people? Yeah, whoa. Another foodie film faux pas. How many pies do you think would, uh, you know, would you need for all those people? What would you say? There's 15 people in there? We'll say 15. I want... Oh, what? There's eight slices in a pie. Uh... I'm saying at least four, I think. Um, yeah, I think four is, a good, four is a good number. But the thing about pizza is it's okay as a leftover, you know? You're not ordering something that's... Yeah, especially exactly. here in this situation, they don't want, seem like they're the most affluent, right? So, like, pizza... you could. There should be at pizza. least two slices a person, so that's, th- that's 30 slices. So, I mean, just to make it an even, that's at least... That's four, four pies is 32. I totally forgot this was Rory Cochran. Like, it just wasn't... That character in Dazed and Confused is just so unique to me. Yeah. It's like the iconic stoner. I mean, he's doing similar things in this movie, but it's different. <laughs> A little sexual harassment, but he looks fine with it. No, I think I think he's cool with it. <laughs> That's our, like, Mike Rivera, personal friend of the film. This is the Kyle of the film. <laughs> Oh, I lo- again, he was the pizza... I- that's hilarious. That's the guy who owns the pizza shop. I just realized that. Yeah. <laughs> Where's my delivery boy? Carmine, I said you an hour ago. <laughs> 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 
Parties are fun. I miss them. What a line. I shot my best <laughs> friend in the tit with my cufflink. I love these little moments with the two of them. Yeah, and I'm not being critical, but I am surprised that there's a half an hour left of this film. Like, I don't remember. I know there's a big action sequence. Yeah, exactly. You know that big action is at least 15 minutes right there. And I think there's there's one more big drag show, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. When you combine those two things, it makes a lot of sense. But still, it's on this, like, all the... The movie should be pretty much done right now without without the crime shit. Yeah. So I would have felt... Fulfilled. Yeah. Fulfilled. (laughs) I was going to say that you're going to have to take the helm for about two minutes because I have to use the bathroom. Ooh. So it's your chance to do the voiceovers. Be as stereotypical and offensive as possible. Uh... (laughs) I'm kidding. I'll be back. (laughs) Oh, don't you know? That's so beast. Offensive. Oh, is Brian left already? I'm alone. Oh, it's going to be offensive to the Midwest for a second. So what we got going on in this movie? Okay. De Niro is like finally opening up. I hope you guys are liking this episode. I'm really enjoying it. It's been a little like uh, we said before the movie started. We like watching these movies in uh, in person. Together, Brian and I, maybe sharing a brew or two. But, uh, so it's been a little weird watching the movies and talking, like, at the same time in separate places, but got to do that for, uh, you know, quarantine and social distancing. But this is, this is, this is a fun, this is a fun rewatch. Ooh, so we get the little. This is one of those movies that, like, with me talking right now, missing the little backstory moments, so... Friend betrayed him. 200,000 bucks. These are the little moments that I'm I'm really enjoying. Not this ridiculous, uh... crime... crime story. Ooh, Our Lady of Perpetual Disco. That'd be a good t-shirt. You know, when you see all those uh, candles out there that people, you know, make. I think my roommate has one for uh, musician Bob Weir. You know, it's like when you, when you go into, like, bodegas and you see the all the different scenes. I have returned. I have returned. Oh. 
I was talking about, there was a, uh, Rusty was saying since we're in, I think he said like confession or whatever right now, cause they're sharing stories. De Niro just gave the story of his, uh, partner betraying him for like $200,000 or whatever. Oh yeah. I forgot um, about that. But I was saying how, uh, my roommate Tommy has, you know, like uh, they're making more of those. Obviously you see them in the bodegas, but like there's like the saint candles and stuff like that that you can buy. But now they're making ones with like pop culture icons. Oh yeah. But, uh, Rusty said our lady of perpetual or our perpetual lady, I don't know, of, of disco. And I said that would be a good, uh, <laughs> yeah. good shirt, but at the same time, that would be one of those good, uh, candles. I saw I was going to say chef. one of those like, you know, saint candles. Yeah. One of the saint. Yeah. I saw one for chef Roy Choi that he was the, the saint of food trucks. And I'm like, <laughs> I love the chef ones. The, the Guy Fieri one, like I've been tempted to buy a lot. Um, yeah. I feel a little weird getting the Bourdain one since he has unfortunately passed. You know, I get that, could, but like we have a bunch of Frida Kahlo ones here. She passed, but it might be too soon. I understand. Yeah, that. like it's just yeah, exactly. Because it's because they're supposed to be like silly, you know, like having like seeing those guys on them. You know, I do like it how it's a Saint Anthony though. Like, it, yeah, exactly. Like, He's the most exactly like chef guy to... or Saint Saint guy Saint Roy. Like, <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah, Saint Anthony, much more. Uh, much more sense. So once we move into like an action sequence that doesn't really have a lot of Hoffman thing, I'm just going to read off the IMDb trivia because there's only like 10 facts. Cool. <laughs> I like that line. Mm. Ooh. Should be on the Rusty should be on the debate team. Bringing up great yeah. points. Do you like his like Technicolor dream coat that he's wearing? Yes. <laughs> it's like a Mumu. When I say this, I'm not saying it that I wouldn't as well. But if society was more accepting of like that, just like wearing. I mean, I guess it is. I don't know, but like, I I think uh, I think you could rock that Technicolor, whatever he, uh, she's wearing. Yeah, there's definitely. I mean, there's like a vulnerability to it. Oh, ugly language. Oh, wow. I like that. Would you do a podcast of, like, speech therapy films? Like this. <laughs> King Speech. Yeah, King, yeah exactly. Um, <laughs> Miracle Worker. I'm sure there are others. They said, yeah, they said that one. And Bancroft and the Miracle Worker. Yeah. Apparently the diving bell and the butterfly has that plot. Are you looking him up right now? <laughs> the theory of everything. I mean, uh, that's not, yeah. It's like, yeah, it's not like the main part, but yeah. Yeah. 
Apparently, Welcome to Marwin is somewhat related. I didn't see that one. Oh, that's the Steve Carell, Robert yeah, like Zemeckis he, did really bad film. Yeah, he makes like I don't know if it's in his head or he like makes claymation things, but it's yeah. Yeah, but then enters that world, yeah, something like that. What is this club? I don't know, but it like the, I'd rather like, be in the drag it, club. I'm telling you that much. <laughs> like, is it? Does everyone show up, or is it a place that, like, the women are at and the guys show you know? Like, is it, like, I mean... I don't know. I don't know. I don't frequent these establishments. I think this was a question we had on the original run. All right, because I don't really care about this part, uh, I'll read off some IMDb trivia facts. Yeah. Robert De Niro's face would sometimes ache for days after tensing his jaw to speak in his post-stroke scenes. Interesting. Mm. It's like uh, Joaquin Phoenix and the Master actually got like his uh, one side of his mouth like wired shut. I've heard of that film. <laughs> uh, Joel Schumacher conceived the idea for the film from personal experience. One of his close friends suffered a series of strokes and had to relearn how to speak through singing. Oh, what? Like that's. If you if you if you're gonna ask me like what aspect of the movie did Joel Schumacher take from his life, I'm sure other would, things too. But yeah, I'm sure other things too. But <laughs> I would I would have been like oh like I mean I know he wasn't, or at least I don't think he uh, ever performed drag or whatever. But it definitely would have been like that was the more like in, inciting incident for him to write a story like this. But it's interesting that it's the the stroke. Rusty's line it costs. A cost a lot to look this cheap is a personal quote attributed to Dolly Parton. I think I knew that one. Oh, there's uh, also, I mean, you're probably going to read it, but there's, isn't there the, don't they say the line in this movie, like, I'm more man than you'll ever be and more woman than you'll ever get? Yeah, that that's that's later for my IMDb trivia. I'm, I'm sorry. <laughs> it's somewhere, it's somewhere. I'll watch. find it. I'm sorry. Um, what's that? When Robert De Niro read the screenplay, he had one question for Joel Schumacher. When do we start shooting? Wow. Oh, I found it, Kyle. Bill Seymour Hoffman's line, I'm more man than you'll ever be and more woman than you'll ever get, was first uttered by Antonio Fargus as Lindy in Car Wash, 1976. Fargus's character also dressed in drag, and the movie was written by Joel Schumacher. Oh, okay. So so he can steal it. That's fine. It's his line. I didn't know he wrote Car Wash. I didn't know either, but that, I mean, it definitely... That's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> Flawless. <laughs> oh, wait, that's the name of the movie. Yes. Oh, my God. How did you think you were going to win that competition? You're wearing, like, all black. You're, like, goth drags. That's mean. Don't pull off someone's wig. Is this the kind of sass you like? Like, would you be loving this, watching it? I mean, not the not the physicality of it, but, like, the little, like, back and forth. What they're giving before physically going Okay, the sass it. part. Yes. The basic premise of Flawless, 
and it, in parentheses says Macho Man develops unlikely friendship with flamboyant drag queen was also used as a plot arc in the third season of HBO series Oz, which came out the same year. On Oz, a convicted mafioso named Napa reluctantly becomes friends with his infeminate cellmate Nat. Furthermore, Napa is played by Mark Margolis, who appears in this film. Oh. <laughs> Some of these are just like dumb, like Chris Bauer and Skip Sedath appeared on Third Watch. Okay. <laughs> Skip Sedath starred in Robert starred with Robert De Niro the year before in Ronin. I haven't seen that movie in a while. It was a cool movie. One of Brando's last movies, I think, right? Or they no? Should cut... Is that yeah, Ronin. There's like yeah, Ronin. He's yeah. in that, I don't remember that. They should cover that on Too Fast, Ronin. Ooh, yeah, that should yeah, recommend that. Or well, Joey, I didn't realize you're listening. This. I didn't realize yeah. this. Well, I kind of did, but I forgot about it. Um, that they don't just do random movies. They have a theme. So they don't, you know. Um, for example, well, I, I don't, again, I'm not going to spoil future themes. I don't know what's announced and what's not announced. But, like, you have to pick something in a theme. Like, if it's... Car theme. Like, well, not just car <laughs> theme, but it has to be, like... I think they, they usually do it by character, right? Like if it's a uh, Hobbs, so you could pick movies out of the rock or you could pick movies that have to do with a, a characteristic of Hobbs. Like, Oh uh, yeah. You said Hobbs to, yeah. Okay. What is this car in Ronin? Last thing I'll say, when Philip, not ever, but from I'm to be trivia, when Philip Seymour Hoffman is first teaching Robert De Niro to sing, he mentions he's not Jodie Foster, referring to Silence of the Lambs. Decades earlier, De Niro famously starred with Jodie Foster in Taxi Driver. There you go. (laughs) Yeah, so not great facts. I like that taxi voice. When's the last time you took a taxi? pre-coronavirus okay no but i will occasionally take taxis if i'm in an area where i see one it's so much faster than getting an uber and ordering it you know sure you know my job i'm out of, out and about a lot yeah but like, that's true i wasn't thinking that. at night no i'm taking an uber yeah or lyft or whatever Jeez, it's a lot. Especially at the time. Yeah. Jeez, that's 85,000. Wow. 
There we go. Apparently RuPaul has a cameo in this. I didn't see uh, RuPaul. Me neither. Did he call the cops at least this time? I don't know. Sorry. Nice, nice. Again, this is like fun, but like I don't know, not the story I wanted to see. Yeah, just way too. Yeah. Jeez. Wait, wasn't there? I thought. What? Isn't there? No, I'm totally thinking of a different. I'm... Oh my god, this is this is bad. Um... <laughs> I want to hear it. I'm thinking of Dallas Buyers Club. When oh boy, <laughs> um, no, but when Jared Leto has to go and get the insurance money from. Oh god. Okay, I could see how you could get that. Because when yeah, when there was the thing with the dad earlier, I'm like, oh, doesn't he have to go and talk to his dad and get like insurance money or something? I think that's Dallas Buyers Club. No, that's definitely yeah, it's Dallas Buyers Club, and he because that's the whole thing. He's wears a suit, and so the whole wearing the suit and non like that's what reminded me of it. But I was just, yeah, I thought it was. Then I was like, oh, that must be a later scene in the movie, but it's a scene from Dallas Buyers Club. <laughs> So, Rusty has killed a guy with a stiletto. Works for me. That guy looked like Barry Bones for a second. Yeah. Oh, God. Yeah, like again, and not in a cool drag sassy way. No, it's just like, like there's been a death by stiletto using the wheelchair, like push him down the stairs, potted plants. Uh, 
Like, if anything, the quarrel should have then, like, come from, like, there still could have been this money element or something, but, like, it could have been more personal. It could have been with the abusive boyfriend that gambles. Yeah, like, this is crazy what we're watching. This is like a thriller at this point. Yeah. It goes into, I mean, makes that reference, uh, Rusty makes the reference of Grace Kelly Rear Window, but it's just like... Yeah. <laughs> what year was Terminator 2? 1992. I always think it's later because um I think like the singularity or whatever happens in like 99 and I get those confused, but yeah, no. I was like, what? I didn't, I didn't get that. I'm like, oh, okay. A nail filer. Ooh, ooh. Jeez. Fucking headshot. His name is Waldo? Who? They just said Waldo Coons. Oh, wait. That's so weird. I Evana. <laughs> Does he say like don't you see the resemblance or something like that? Oh, No! <laughs> okay, okay, so, so you're right. They, they're, they're clearly like downtown then. But I've ne- I don't know if you could do that. I think you can ask them to bring you to any of like three or four local hospitals. I know this from our mutual friend Dan Kim. Well, I was going to say you can ask him next time how many times he's been handed cash to... Bring someone somewhere. Kyle, after we record, remind me to tell you a Dan Kim story I heard. Okay. From Wait, him. I from wanna, him. Hi, I want an up next thing to start. This is the credits? <laughs> I, but I think it then cuts to... I remember the Do-Re-Mi thing happening again. Unless I'm yeah, there. I don't like count this as credits. <laughs> Here we go. Yeah. Yep. Okay. So you're right. 
This is kind of weird. That, like, you know, they're showing like the people's faces while they roll the credits of the actors. Mm-hmm. You don't see that a lot anymore. No. I like it though. Yeah, Rory Cochran, Daphne Ruben Vega. This guy. (laughs) (laughs) Me, my. (laughs) What a weird way to end a movie. Mark Margolis. What a nice moment. You <laughs> oh more practice. I forgot that this went on this long. Yeah. This is nice, like, improvised. and. Yeah. <laughs> the same thing. Yeah. wow this goes on for the entire credits almost Well, he's clearly playing piano there, by the way, but obviously it's not that hard. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder if he was, like, scared shitless, having fun, you know? I think so after, in character, like, a few, did it matter? I mean, since a lot of scenes with De Niro after, like, a few days... Uh... Yeah, I doubt this was the first... First scene they shot, but you never know. Yeah. Bo Queen. This is how we're ending the episode. Banana fan. <laughs> Hoffman, Hoffman, Bo. <laughs> That's where we're going to end every episode from now on. You and I just doing this. Yeah. You, I'll you, be Hoffman, you're De, De Niro. What? No, I don't want to be De Niro. That's the more <laughs> offensive one. You, you know, look- like. Were you going to say I look like De Niro? No, I said you're the, I was oh. going to say you're the New Yorker. I mean, they're both New Yorkers in the film, but... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 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 
Is he just running around with the camera, by the way? Yeah, this is like with a fish-eyed lens right now, almost, I think. Or not really. I think it's just a wide. It's a little scopic. Wait, the cast was Does there? this really go the entire time? That's amazing. <laughs> I guess so. Don't you want to hear the rhymes of pussy? And oh, there we go. Okay. And then what the hell is this song? Okay, okay. It's more of like a quote-unquote drag song. The way it started, I thought it was going to be like a tough action song. Um, <laughs> All right. So that was Flawless. A flawless film, maybe not, but still an enjoyable one and a great Philip Seymour Hoffman performance. I think you'd have to agree with that. Definitely. This was this was this was the right choice, Hoff fans. The Big Lebowski, awesome. We'll do it at some point. Yeah, an awesome movie. Like I, I really, I, I love it. Um, but this was totally the right choice. So we're gonna do another rewatch in two weeks. The uh, following, not the following Monday, two Mondays from now. I decided to put some of his best remaining performances on what we're calling the Wheel of Hoffman. Ooh, and should post instead a of us just of like wheel. <laughs> it's just a random it's called wheelofnames.com. You can put anything on the wheel, so I wish I could put his face on it or something. Maybe I can. I don't know. I haven't done enough with it. I just wrote the movies out. But I put all his performances that we haven't done yet. Maybe you'll disagree with some whether they're worth it, but you know, uh for example, Strangers but Candy is not in here. Joey Breaker, because it would be too hard to watch, is not in here. And his role isn't that big in it. But Cold Mountain is on here. I know he's not the star, but it's still a big movie for him. He was nominated for that film. So, does that make sense? Oh, yes, definitely. I'm going to spin the wheel twice. It's not really spinning. It's pressing a button. But we're going to spin the wheel twice. And those will be the two films that you guys will have to vote on for our next rewatch. And... We'll put the poll up almost as soon as the episode comes out. It'll be like a week of voting. And again, you could vote on Facebook and on Instagram. So here goes. You ready for the spin, Kyle? I'm ready. Is there a way to like film the spin? I don't know. I could share it with you. I could share it with you on our shared screen. Oh, yeah. Let's do that. All right, Kyle. Can you see the wheel? Yes, I can see the wheel. Okay, here we go. All right, I'm going to spin. Spinning wheel. Spinning the wheel. Spinning the wheel. <laughs> One of the Hunger Games films, it's Catching Fire. So we have the Hunger Games Catching Fire as the winner. Let's spin the wheel again. Alright. What's it gonna be? State and Maine? Yep. State and Maine. All right. Yes, yeah, Stay in Maine. I forgot about that film. That's two random choices, right? The Hunger Games, Catching Fire, and Stay in Maine. One early in his career, one late in his career. Why the hell not? Yeah, that's also that. Stay in Maine definitely falls into uh, yeah th- th- this category, like of what we just did with Flawless, of just early on, and he gets to. That's an ensemble movie. That's also, I think. I mean, I don't. I don't want to speak for both of us, but I think it was both of us like didn't really like know that much about David. I don't think I knew anything, but David Mamet at the time. Yeah. And we were just so like nonchalant about it. And ever since that episode, which obviously was a while ago, probably like almost two years ago, like, you know, I, I've heard Mamet talked about and seen so like, and no, like, and obviously know his work, but I just, for some reason never like knew his name for, I don't know. 
because yeah, again, we're not we're not theater people. Were cultured enough at the time. That was years ago. Yeah, I think I mean it was kind of like the same scenario that we're you know that as we said today we're not it's not like we're very knowledgeable in stage, but it is in the end of the day freaking David Mamet, uh, who now I know is like obviously one of the most acclaimed stage directors and writers mm-hmm. and everything. So anyway, uh, State in Maine and Catching Fire. Interesting, interesting. One's a very popular movie, so um, I think that might be the favorite. But who knows? Uh, Hunger Games films haven't fared well on our polls previously. So this is going to be an interesting one, because it might be a flawless situation where the more hardcore Hoffman fans are going to pick State in Maine. Yeah, we shall see. The ball's in your court. Make it rain, Hoff fans. Ooh, <laughs> that was a great, that was a great line. I'm very proud of myself for just saying that on the spot. <laughs> Pat yourself on the old back. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, maybe if things are topical, we might return to just us picking two films, or we might continue the wheel of Hoffman again next time. Who knows? But Kyle, of course, you have foodie films. I have High School Slumber Party. I'm going twice a week these days on that show. Uh, of course, we're still doing bi-weekly. Sorry, bi-monthly. On days, times, hours, they're all molding together. But we're still going bi-monthly here on Hoffman. And you're going weekly on Foodie Films, right? Yep, weekly and doing the, uh, you know, every other movie episode and then a first cut episode where I talk with people that work in the food and drink industry. So, uh, yeah, had a lot of a lot of great episodes. You've been on a few times, so you guys should at least check out those episodes if you're, you know, first and foremost, you're Hoff fans, but I would hope we're at least, you know, we've we've kind of... Wormed our way into your uh, lives uh, in, in some kind of way, and you, you in, in, enjoy yeah. our our rapport. So you'll <laughs> get that on obviously the uh, high school slumber party and foodie films episodes, in which Brian and I are one another's guests. Yeah, they're like um, I don't know what the technical term is for food, but like not an appetizer, but an amuse bouche. Yeah, yeah, like like start your palate off, and then you're like, oh, okay, and maybe you maybe you want more after that. Yeah, and I can't wait to see what wins this contest. That's for sure. So, uh, Kyle, you do the honors every week. Why don't you do it again? Stay flawless and stay on Cool Hoff fans. Sex a thing, sex a thing, yeah.